Okay, so the time that we spend with God in his word overflows into these relationships. That time of taking in his word will affect the way that we live and care for those in our homes. It's what will prepare our hearts to care well for them. It is what brings our thinking into alignment with God's ways so that Christ will be seen in us in such a way that it will have a fruitful impact on those in our home, with our husbands, with our children, with our roommates, our parents, our grandchildren. They ought to gain a sense that your home is a place centered on the gospel. Now we all know that that doesn't just happen, does it? That will only occur when we are thinking on the gospel. And when we are purposeful in bringing it into our relationships, it is a purposeful choice. From there, discipline three flows. The woman who has her heart fixed on God and is keeping her God-given ministry within her home a priority, that faithful woman of God steps into the church and every part of life to shepherd others toward God and the gospel. The faithful woman of God will be impactful because she has been feasting on God's word. And therefore, she is a woman who knows her God because that's her intention to do so, to grow in her knowledge of him. She will be impactful because she brings love and grace and truth to them. It's important that we remember these truths and keep them in view as we look at our lesson this morning. So before we begin, let's pray. Father, we are so thankful for your word. Father, we want to come with a right heart attitude before your word as we open it up this morning. I pray that we would be humble before you, that our hearts would be ready to hear from you whatever it is that we need to hear. Father, I pray that you would bring conviction where we need to be convicted, that you would bring encouragement where that is needed. And Father, I pray that uh, as a result of being together under your word, Father, that we would indeed um, be better prepared to live out gospel-transformed lives, that we would come away into this busy season that is coming upon us, that we would be ready to serve in a manner that would bring you honor and glory. Father, that is our prayer, and we pray that in the name of your precious Son, Jesus. Amen. Okay, so I'd like for you to take a look at this chart that I had you pull out from Lesson 6. I thought last week, as Janet was teaching, I thought about this chart as we looked at the life of Hannah. Hannah was such a great example of that top spiral that we see on here, of what that spiral represents. Go ahead and take a look at the blue one. She poured out her requests before God. Now look at the attitudes on the left side of the chart. She was humble. She was joyful. She showed self-control toward Paniah and toward Eli. And she was trusting in the God whom she knew. And as a result, we saw how hopeful she was, not in her prayer being answered, but her hope was in God. Now I want you to look at that bottom red spiral. We see that when, they, that when we have wrong thinking in regards to our desires, 
If our hearts are left unshepherded, we can easily fall into sinful attitudes and actions like pride and bitterness and anxiousness. That if we don't fill our minds with God's truth, we can become critical and deceived into believing that we deserve something, which then can then lead us down that spiral to actions like making demands, even of God. And that's what we're going to see in our lesson this morning. So would you turn with me to Luke chapter 10, and we're going to look at verses 38 through 42 together. We're going to observe the lives of two women, and we're going to learn more about the importance and the blessing of shepherding our own hearts. And we'll also see the danger that we face when we neglect to do so. So let's go ahead and read those verses. Now, as they were traveling along, he entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister called Mary, who was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his words. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations, and she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. But the Lord answered and said, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things, but only one thing is necessary, for Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. So as we look at, these, at the lives of these two women and consider Jesus' words to them, we will find that his words reveal much to us about our own hearts and what it means to be a godly servant, and what will distract us from God-honoring serving. So I want to begin first by in looking at this passage, by looking at what it's not about, because I think it will help clarify Jesus' words in the passage and not minimize what they have to reveal to us about our own hearts. So the first thing I want us to take note of is that this passage is not about differing personalities or gifting. The fact that Mary was seated at the feet of Jesus listening to his words does not mean that she was unwilling to serve. The point of this passage is not to help us learn how to be balanced between Martha-type ministry and Mary-type solitude. And it is not that we should be unconcerned with serving. Rather, in this passage, Jesus focuses on the choices we make. In verse 42, Jesus said that Mary had chosen the good part, and the implication is that Martha had not. So let's look at these sisters, Martha and Mary. Martha is the older, Mary is the younger. They had a brother, Lazarus, who would soon die and would be brought back to life by Jesus. In fact, many commentators believe that Jesus, in his interaction with these sisters here in Luke, chapter, in Luke chapter 10, is actually preparing them for that trial that they will soon face. So they live in Bethany, which is about two miles from Jerusalem. And both Luke and John recorded that Jesus enjoyed hospitality in the home of this family on at least three different occasions. John made it a point to record that Jesus loved Martha and Mary and Lazarus. It seems likely that Martha and Mary were two of many people who heard Jesus teaching early on in his ministry. 
They extended hospitality to him, and they had built a relationship with him through that. Now, I know for many of us, this is a very familiar narrative. I don't know about you, but I know for me, when I hear a very familiar passage, I need to be careful that I don't read into it, that I don't come with a heart that says, I know what this says, but rather that I come with a humble heart because I know that this is God's word and therefore I must humble myself under it so that I don't allow the familiarity of it to cause me to miss what I know I need to hear. So this morning, I pray that we will all look at this passage, we'll look carefully at the words that Jesus speaks to these women and see why he needed to, why they needed to be said. Because his words are what will strengthen us in our service and what, we're, what will reveal to us the things that will distract us from a service that will honor him. This passage will also help us gain a better understanding of discipline one and its interconnectedness with disciplines two and three. Why we must never neglect to bring our hearts to the word of God and remember his truths to shepherd our hearts throughout our day. So let's look again at verse 38. In this verse, we're going to see a heart to serve. And you see that on your outline, number one. Verse 38 says, Now as they were traveling along, he, obviously Jesus, entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Now we certainly get the impression from this narrative that Jesus knew this family from Bethany well. Jesus met Martha somewhere in the village. Most likely it was in the marketplace where she had gone to gather the things that were needed for the day. It was different than today. They didn't buy groceries for a whole week. They went into the village every day into the marketplace to gather the things. And that's probably where she ran into Jesus. And we are introduced to Martha with these words. It says, Martha welcomed him into her home. And the idea here is that she immediately welcomed him when she saw him. These words imply a great deal. There is a sense of eagerness in Martha's desire to have Jesus in her home. Do you see Martha's good intentions? She had a good desire. She wanted to serve Jesus by preparing a meal for him and providing a place for him to stay and probably those who were traveling with him as well. The idea of being welcomed here means she received Jesus into her home for the purpose of, of extending hospitality and showing kindness to him. The word communicates that she wanted to shower him with kindness as she met his needs. It is evident that Martha loved Jesus. And yet, there's a great warning in this for us. We can have the best of intentions to serve and extend kindness to those in our home, to those we invite in, and yet good intentions do not guarantee a good outcome. We must not be deceived into thinking that good intentions are good enough because we all have the potential to undo our good intentions if we are not careful to watch over our hearts as we serve others. We must guard against that undoing by choosing the one thing that Jesus said is necessary 
So now let's take a look at Mary and learn more about her choice. We see in Mary a heart engaged. That's number two on your outline. Let's look at verse 39. She, Martha, had a sister called Mary. Did you catch the simplicity of what we're told about Mary? Martha had a sister called Mary. That's all the information that is needed for the setting of this passage. There's a reason for that. The simplicity of the introduction of Mary throws all of the weight on the action that follows. Anything else that could have been said would have been of small importance in comparison with the one thing that we are to take note of. It is that she, it is what she was doing, that she was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his word. This sister sat at the feet of Jesus. Mary desired to be with Jesus. She was taking full advantage of the opportunity to take in his words. There is no indication in this passage that this is an act that is to be considered idle or unwarranted. In fact, we see from Jesus' words the exact opposite. Even though, as a woman, Mary had every cultural reason not to be seated at Jesus' feet, listening to, his, to, listening to him teach. Culturally, she had every reason to be with Martha instead. A woman serving a rabbi in that day was her common role. But here, Mary is assuming and preferring the role of a pupil, a student, a disciple under a rabbi. That was unusual, and it helps us understand her strong desire for Jesus. Notice that this action on the part of Mary is the only action that we read about her in this passage, yet it is the main point of the passage. Mary understood the priority and the privilege of being with Jesus. When she saw that Jesus was about to speak, Mary turned from everything else to sit and to be absorbed in what he had to say. This was a woman who was disciplined in turning her heart toward Jesus in order to take in his words because his words revealed more of him to her. That takes purposeful choice. She chooses to be free from distractions, even the good distractions, in order to choose the best. Mary understood that nearness to Jesus was her good. She was very intentional in that choice, and we must learn to be intentional in choosing to be near to Jesus as we are taking in his word and allowing it to affect our hearts. This will happen when we, like Mary, understand the treasure that we find in knowing him. Now, let's compare that with Martha. We see in verse 40, a heart distracted. That's number three on your outline. Verse 40 begins with, but Martha. Now, whenever we see that word, but, we know that there's a contrast coming. We just read of Mary seated at the feet of Jesus, but Martha was distracted. To be distracted literally means to be drawn away. 
Martha had become so overoccupied with her preparations to serve Jesus that she allowed those preparations to draw her away from him. The word distracted here is passive. It's a passive verb, meaning that she didn't fight against it. Martha did not bring herself to sit at the feet of Jesus because she allowed herself to be distracted by her service to him. Instead of keep, keeping the focus that she seemed to have in verse 38, when she welcomed Jesus into her home to show kindness and lovingly serve him, she so quickly allowed herself to be pulled away from Jesus. In addition, Jesus described Martha in verse 41 as worried and bothered. To be worried means to be anxious or troubled about something. It means to be overwrought, on edge, fretful. And the Greek word for bothered is turbazo. It's the same word from which, which we get our English word turbulent. It gives us a pretty good picture of what's going on inside of Martha's heart, doesn't it? Martha is troubled and all stirred up, and she is visibly showing agitation. Worried here shows us that there is an inward fretting, while bothered shows that there is an outward agitation. And what is it that has Martha so distracted and worried and bothered? Let's look again at verse 40. It says, But Martha was distracted with all her preparations. Now, it's so important that we understand that it was not wrong for Martha to serve Jesus. Her preparations began out of her love for him. It wasn't wrong for Martha to serve, and it isn't wrong for us to serve. That's not the point of this passage. Serving and working hard in our service is good. In fact, the early, in the early church, women were known for their service. Paul in Romans 6, 1 and 2 commends Phoebe, who was a servant and a helper in the church, and also to Paul personally. In Romans 16, 3, Paul refers to Priscilla as his fellow worker in Christ Jesus. In Acts 16, 14 and 15, it tells us that Lydia opened up her home and extended hospitality to Paul and to the church. And in Luke 4.39, we find that immediately after Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law, she got up and she waited on them. She served them. These women are not in any way rebuked for their service. This passage is certainly not telling us that we should neglect extending kindness. In fact, look up just a few verses to verse 33, just before this passage. It's the parable of the Good Samaritan, where Jesus had just taught that we are to love others by our actions. Serving reflects the image of God. We were created to bear that image of Jesus as one who serves. See, a strong desire to meet a need was not Martha's problem. It's not our problem. That is not what spoils our service. What spoiled Martha's service was a heart that was not anchored and steady and fixed 
and riveted on Jesus and his words. Martha neglected to see that Jesus' words would have benefited her serving. Instead, we see a heart that was distracted and swept away from Jesus by her, her preparations. Look again at verse 40. It says, but Martha was distracted by all her preparations. Literally, that word means by much service. Jesus said to her in verse 41, you were worried and bothered by so many things. She was distracted by all of the things that she thought were necessary. Now, we all know that we can miss the heart of serving our family and others by being lazy. But we can also miss the right heart of service by being distracted and thinking that our service is more important than focusing our minds and our hearts on Jesus himself. When our hearts are swept away by our service and they are not anchored to Jesus, that is when we lose our focus on what truly matters. That is what happened to Martha. She was distracted by her service, and in doing so, she totally missed the, what was necessary. She missed the good part. She missed the opportunity to learn from the one she was trying to serve. Again, Jesus did not rebuke Martha for serving, but for allowing her mind and heart to be distracted and drawn away to things that for that moment were unimportant by comparison to what Jesus had for her, to learn from him. And we, like Martha, may very well become distracted and worried and bothered by an inaccurate view of what is most important in any given moment. There are many things that can tempt us to this same sinful distraction and worry. We can be distracted when we are trying to please man rather than God. That certainly is a temptation for me, being concerned about what people think of my service to the point that I'm distracted, pulled away from the very one I ultimately desire to serve. Proverbs 29, 25 calls that the fear of man. And it says that the fear of man brings a snare. It easily ensnares us to that same kind of turmoil that we see in Martha. We can become prone to distraction when we are selfish, when we want things done our way and in our timing. We are susceptible to becoming excessively concerned with what others are doing or maybe not doing, maybe to the point of judging them or being embittered toward them when we are not fixing our eyes on Jesus and the privilege of knowing and serving him. We must guard against becoming more concerned about what we get done than how we get it done. And we must guard against the temptation to use intimidation or manipulation or nagging because getting something done becomes more important to us than being like Christ in that moment. Ladies, if we desire to grow in grace, to grow in holiness of life, we must be on guard so that we are not carried away by the things that take our focus off of our Savior. 
When we don't guard our hearts, but rather allow ourselves to become distracted and swept away from Jesus, that is when we miss out on what Jesus calls the good part. When we do, rather than displaying our love for Jesus, our service becomes a display of misplaced priorities. It becomes a burden. Working hard is not wrong. Having a heart that is swept away from the one we are ultimately serving, that is terribly wrong. So let's think, whose choice was this, this distracted and worried and bothered heart? There is no one Martha could blame but herself. By not fighting against it, she chose to be distracted. We must realize that when our hearts hold weakly to Christ, it is because we choose it to be this way. Martha chose to have a distracted and worried and bothered heart, and it didn't stay confined within Martha. Her sinful distraction bore bitter fruit. And if our hearts are in the wrong place, it will soon produce bitter fruit as well. So let's look further at verse 40. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations, and she came up to him. Now, remember what Jesus was doing, and Martha came up to him. Now, I'm going to give Martha a little benefit of a doubt here. We don't know if perhaps she was trying to get Mary's attention some other way, but failed. But what we do know is that Martha's busy preparations had to have stopped for a moment, and she interrupted Jesus' teaching to plead her case. Martha obviously thought that she had made the right choice. And it seems that Martha assumed that Jesus would have the same evaluation of the situation that she did once she was able to point that out to him. I wonder if it ever occurred to Martha that she could be the one in the wrong. When our hearts aren't right, it seldom does, does it? And so, thinking that she was justified, Martha interrupted Jesus' teaching. And what was on Martha's mind? Well, let's finish reading the verse. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations, and she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. Martha is looking for someone to blame. That's the bitter fruit that we see. First, she finds fault with Jesus. Listen to her words. Lord, do you not care? She accused Jesus of being insensitive. Now, think about that. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. In about four months, he would be hanging on a cross. And Martha, in her self-centeredness, asks him, Do you not care? She blamed him for not caring enough about her to send Mary back to help her with all of her preparations. But rather, had al Jesus had allowed her to sit at his feet and learn from him. Do you see the danger 
of an unshepherded heart. And Martha didn't stop with blaming Jesus. We also see that she reproached Mary for abandoning her when she said, my sister has left me to do all the serving alone. It's evident by her actions that Martha's heart was not set on being near to Jesus, all because she was distracted by her preparations. She was not in a place where she could even begin to evaluate her own heart. She was completely blind to her own sin at this point. All she could see was what she thought was wrong with those around her. I don't know about you, but this hits a little close to home. Do you see what we are all capable of? Martha's words and actions show us how subtly and sinfully pride can corrupt even the best of our intentions. It might be easy, I think, for us to read this and maybe even think, I can't believe that Martha's pride would lead her to think so highly of her own agenda. But the truth is, I do this. I think we do this. Do you see the sin we so easily fall into when we neglect to shepherd our hearts to Jesus continually? We can easily allow ourselves to become distracted and all stirred up in our minds and carried away by our emotions by our excessive expectations of what we think needs to be done and what we expect others to do to help us get it done. And when we do, we sin right in the middle of our service. It's far too easy to fall into the temptation to look outside of ourselves, to look for excuses, and even assume that we know others' motives and make accusations against them, and even toward God. We see the same accusation in Mark chapter 4. In verses 35 and 36, it tells us that it was evening, and it was getting dark, and Jesus had just gotten into the boat with his disciples, and I'm sure you remember the passage. Verse 37 says, And there arose a fierce gale of wind, and the waves were breaking over the boat so much that the boat was already filling up, Jesus himself was in the stern, asleep on a cushion, and they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he got up, he rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, Hush, be still. And the wind died down, and it became perfectly calm. And Jesus said to them, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith. Did you hear their accusation? Teacher, don't you care? How quickly we can draw wrong conclusions based on our circumstances, can't we? We can actually draw wrong conclusions about God based on our circumstances. This accusation revealed the disciples' heart just as it revealed Mary's heart and often it reveals our hearts. There is a great warning here for us. Our hearts can become so easily self-centered, so focused on ourselves at the very moment that we need to be focusing on and trusting in Jesus. 
it shows us how difficult it is for, or, excuse me, how critical it is for us to be soaking in His Word so that we don't forget about Him throughout our day, so that our thoughts and our responses, that our hearts reflect what is true about Him. Let's look again at verse 40. When Martha said, Do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? It shows us her greatest concern in that moment. She was concerned with one thing, that she was left alone in her excessive service. From Martha's perspective, Mary deserted her. But who was Mary's master? It wasn't Martha. And there is something else that Mary's words reveal. When she said, do you not care that my sister has left me? She's indicating that Mary had been serving with her. But Mary, unlike Martha, knew what part of serving was necessary and then was willing to stop in order to be with Jesus. She understood the right priority. She had prepared what was necessary but then left her service to listen to Jesus' teaching. But meanwhile, Martha felt entitled to Mary's help. Martha couldn't see that Mary left for a good reason, for the right reason. And we see that in her words to Jesus when she said, then tell her to help me. She told Jesus what to do. At this point, Martha had become convinced that Mary should be serving her rather than being with Jesus. Her desire became a demand. Do you see the pride in this? Martha thought she knew what was best for everyone. And just like Martha, our sinful pride can make us susceptible to judgment and to all kinds of evil, to anger, resentment, jealousy, a critical spirit, and unkindness. How easy it is for us to get caught up in our own whirlwind of things to do, even to the point that we forget who we are, his servants, and we forget how needy we are of him, and when we do, we lose sight that it is his strength and his words that help us persevere, persevere in our service. And that he is the one who gives us the wisdom to know what is truly important. Being with Jesus shapes our heart attitude so that we are willing to acknowledge and repent of our pride and put aside the things that are not necessary so that our serving will bring honor to him. Let's look at one last bitter fruit that we see in Martha's sinfully distracted heart. We see it in Jesus' words to her in verse 42. But let me begin reading in verse 41. But Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things, but only one thing is necessary, for Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. 
His words tell us that what Martha had chosen had eternal value. But they also reveal something very disturbing that was going on inside of Martha. They reveal Martha's bitterness over Mary's choice. Martha was deceived into thinking that her distracted service was most important. And she began to resent her sister's wholehearted eagerness to receive instruction from Jesus because it left her alone in her distracted service. And just like Martha, our service can never be pleasing to the Lord when it comes from a heart that is self-centered. Jesus knew that Martha's heart was not right. Again, there is no doubt that Martha loved Jesus, but she was completely blind to, her, to the sin in her own heart at this point. Her misguided idea of what it meant to serve had to be exposed so that she could repent of that. And Jesus was faithful to do that. So let's look at what Jesus said to Martha to expose her sinful heart, to expose her mistaken idea of what it meant to serve him. We see it in verses 41 and 42. A heart set right. That's number four on your outline. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things, but only one thing is necessary, for Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. The searcher of hearts knew Martha's heart. It is obvious by her words and her actions that she is outwardly upset. But Jesus also knew what was going on inside of Martha. And so, like a tender parent, Jesus exposed Martha's sin and gave her the gentle rebuke that, she, that was needed. Martha, Martha. The repetition of Martha's name by Jesus shows his love for her. It is intended to bring her back gently. There is a sense of tender affection and grace in Jesus' concern for Martha. She needed to be lovingly yet firmly rebuked because she had failed to choose the one thing that was necessary. Proverbs 27, 6 tells us, Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Jesus' words are the balm that Martha needed. She needed to see that her heart was distracted and worried and bothered. She needed to see that she was unwilling to look within herself to see her own sin. That in only looking outside of herself, and she had been making an inaccurate diagnosis of what she sensed was wrong with those around her. Whenever we criticize others and pity ourselves because we feel burdened in our service, we must stop and take time to examine our own hearts. Perhaps in all of our busyness, we've been ignoring the Lord. Martha's problem was not that she had too much work to do. Rather, her problem was that she had allowed her work to distract her and pull her away from Jesus. If serving Christ makes us difficult to live with, 
then there is something terribly wrong with our service. There's something terribly wrong with our hearts. Jesus knew Martha needed to understand that her motive in serving was no longer pure. Who had become Martha's focal point at this point, at this uh, point in time? She had, right? Therefore, Jesus was not honored by Martha's service, and he had no intention of defending it. Jesus knew what Martha needed. He knew that there was only one thing needed. One thing. It was what Mary had chosen, to sit at the feet of Jesus and to learn from him. And we must choose that same thing needed to feast on his word and not allow our hearts to be, to wander, to become distracted, to wander from him. Now, did Martha heed this loving yet firm rebuke? Now, we don't know exactly, but in your homework, you looked up John chapter 12, and you might have noticed in this passage that just six days before Jesus went to the cross, we find Martha in Bethany again. Or we find Jesus in Bethany again with Martha. He's eating supper, and it says that Martha was serving. Did you notice what it doesn't say? There's no rebuke, no account of her interrupting. It just tells us that she was serving. And so I think that we at least have reason to hope that Martha's heart attitude had changed. And that gives us great hope, doesn't it? It reminds us of the faithfulness of our great shepherd. I'm so thankful for that. And then in verse 42, we see a heart that feasts. That's number five on your outline. So the rest of Jesus' response commends Mary's choice. When he said, but only one thing is necessary, for Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. She had chosen the one thing that truly mattered. Instead of choosing to become distracted and allowing her heart to become divided, Mary chose the one thing that ended all distraction and division of hearts. She had chosen the good part. She chose to be near to Jesus in order to take in his words. And we, too, must discipline ourselves to that. It is a choice that we make. Mary was intentional in what she chose. And if we are to choose what Jesus said is the good part, we have to plan for it. It takes a commitment of time and effort. If we are to have the one thing that is necessary, then we may have to reevaluate our schedules and our priorities and make whatever changes are necessary so that we have room for this choice. Have you ever noticed that we don't have to plan for our hearts to drift? That just happens if we do nothing. But we do have to plan to meet with Jesus in his word. We don't have to plan for self-importance that would keep us away from his word, do we? But we do have to plan for Jesus' importance to increase in our lives. 
In the midst of Mary's service, she chose something that led her from her service in order to improve her service. Certainly, her time at Jesus' feet, taking in his words, would have changed how she would have stepped back into her preparations alongside her sister Martha, how her service would have been better, how Martha would have been ministered to by a woman whose heart had been near to Jesus. The whole atmosphere of her service had the potential of being infused with the aroma of Christ. You see the important lesson in this for us? As his servants, we must be very wise in the use of our time in order to get our hearts ready to serve others by taking in his word, by being near to our Savior, so that we can enter back into our service with a heart refreshed and, re and prepared to serve, relying on God's grace, with a service that is honoring to him. What we do with our hearts every morning or during nap time or whenever you spend time with God in his word and throughout the day, coming before him with a submissive heart will make more of an impact on our service in our homes and our small groups in the way that we serve on Sunday mornings, in our school, in our job, than anything else we might do. This is a choice that we must continually make. We all can be distracted by so many things. Excessive service is a temptation in any area of our lives. Extending care for those in our home is right, it is good, but allowing that care to distract us from spending time with God and his word is not choosing what Jesus called the one thing necessary. In a sermon that Spurgeon gave on this passage, he said, you are not losing time when you are feeding the soul. Martha became interested in accomplishing, while Mary's focus stayed on a, on a person. She was consumed with Christ. She chose to feast on his words. Mary saw Jesus for who he was. Therefore, she disciplined herself to make the choice to be near to her portion. Listen to some of the Psalms that describe God as our portion. Hear the hope that the Psalmist finds in knowing God in this way. Psalm 73, 26 says, My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Psalm 142, 5 says, I cried out to you, O Lord. I said, You are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Psalm 119, 57 says, The Lord is my portion. I have promised to keep your words. I sought your favor with all of my heart. To be close to God and have him as one's portion is to have a heart that is teachable and eager to learn. 
There is a single-mindedness that we see in Mary. We sense her wholehearted love for her Savior, that nothing would tear her away from him. Mary chose what would benefit her heart and what would ultimately benefit those around her. When we, like Mary, choose this treasure, we will never be disappointed. This is a treasure that will never be taken away from us. And how do we know that? We have the privilege of being able to look back on the cross and all that Jesus accomplished there. And we need to remember that, especially in light of this passage. Listen again to all that we have been warned against. We've been warned that good intentions don't guarantee a good outcome. We've seen that we can easily allow our hearts to become distracted and anxious and bothered when we are not attentive to constantly shepherd our hearts back to Jesus. We saw that we can easily misjudge what is actually necessary in service and that when we do, we can quickly allow, we can so quickly allow that to lead us down a path, that spiral that we saw of sinful distraction so that we miss the one that we are ultimately serving. And we saw that we also can allow others, other things to distract us from keeping our hearts fixed on Jesus. The fear of man or selfishness or other misplaced priorities. We were warned that if we find our if we find our hearts to be carried away like Martha's was, it is because we have chosen to hold weakly to Christ. And we also saw that a sinfully distracted heart bears bitter fruit, blaming, self-centeredness, an attitude of entitlement, pride judgment and bitterness and all the while being blind to the very dangerous place to which our hearts have wandered and so we need to heed these warnings we need to repent where god's word exposes sin and we need to remember that in the midst of conviction we can always find encouragement there is always hope Jesus knew that we would be women just like Martha, who needed to be forgiven and cleansed and made new in him. And so he died, and he rose again for us. And we need to remember that there is no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. We see that in how gently Jesus restored Martha. Jesus told Martha that she was worried and bothered about so many things. And you and I get worried and bothered about many things. And so we can rejoice that Christ died for our sinfully worried and bothered hearts. And remember that if we are in Christ, we are no longer slaves to that sinful worry and distraction or any of its bitter fruit, but that we now have the, the ability to say no to that sin, because we are slaves to Christ. We can diligently pursue holiness, 
And so even when we find that we have become distracted, we can flee right back to our Master Jesus. And we can cry out and confess that we need him. And he will be faithful to reorder our priorities and our hearts. I want to end with this quote from Ryle's commentary on Luke. He wrote, Mary chose what was for the benefit of her soul. She was seeking more grace. She was striving after closer communion with God and his Christ. This was the portion which she preferred to everything else and to which she was willing for a time to postpone all earthly care. Those who seek such a portion will never be disappointed. Their treasure will never be taken away from them. Will you pray with me? Father, we are so thankful for your word. Thank you for the warnings that you in your kindness give to us that will keep us, that will protect our hearts so that we stay near to you. Father, we know how easily we can allow our hearts to become distracted, worried, and bothered when we are not attentive to constantly shepherd our hearts back to Jesus. We're so easily led down the path of sinful distraction as we serve others. And Father, I know for me it is easy in that serving to completely miss you, the very one that I'm ultimately trying to serve. And so, Father, we plead with you to help us as we enter into this very busy season of year, of this time of year. Father, we ask that you would help us to remember how much we need you, how much we need your wisdom. I pray that we would continually, consistently be seeking you in your word, Father, that we would not neglect that time of meeting with you so that when we do step into serving others, serving those in our home and those that we will invite in, Father, that our hearts will not quickly wander from you, but that we will serve others and ultimately serve you in a manner that brings you honor and glory and blesses those around us. Father, we are thankful that you have made every provision for us to do this at the cross. So I pray that we will keep that in view as we are serving others. And we thank you so much for your provision for us. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.